Welcome to A Spin on Offshore Wind, the podcast brought to you by Energy Coast, Northeast England's offshore wind cluster. I'm Caroline Lofthouse, and in this podcast, I'll be bringing you industry insights, project updates, and news from the UK's leading region for offshore wind and further afield. Don't forget to subscribe so each episode drops into your chosen podcast app or find it on energycoast.co.uk. In this episode, we'll be hearing all about the Sophia Offshore Wind Farm from RWE's Renewables Supply Chain Manager, Graham Wright. I'll also be chatting with Stuart Fitzpatrick from GE Renewable Energy, which is supplying a high-voltage, director current electrical transmission system for the Sophia Offshore Wind Farm. So thanks to Graham and Stuart for joining me. And Graham, it's very nice to see you in the studio. Hello, Carrie. To kick things off... Um, could you tell us a little bit about the Sophia Offshore Wind Farm, you know, a bit of history and all of those important facts and figures for our listeners? Yeah, certainly. <coughs> the uh, Sophia Offshore Wind Farm is 100% wholly owned by RWE. It's uh, a 1,400 uh, megawatt site, which is uh, comprising of 114 megawatt Siemens Gamesa turbines. The, uh, the construction of the wind farm is about 18 months uh, into progress. Um, we're sort of progressing with our sort of tier one contractors, including Stuart on GE. Uh, we should be getting the first energy in 2025 with a full completion uh, in 2026. Uh, it's going to be a great development uh, for the area uh, and nationally. Uh, we're going to be powering, say, 1.2 uh, million homes once it's fully uh, in uh, development. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Thanks, Graham. Yep. Sounds like an absolutely fantastic project for not just North East England, um, but the UK as well. Um, one thing that struck me um, when I visited the Sophia website, um, the call for businesses to register for your supply chain database is extremely prominent on the homepage. Um, why is having a strong and innovative supply chain so important to this project? I do feel, Caroline, you need to be able to say keep moving forward in, in the industry. I think that visibility is really important. We're having a lot of, say, oil and gas companies transferring over. We're having uh, new businesses with innovative ideas. I want to hear them. Uh, hopefully the tier ones certainly feeling uh, the same. And, and if we can really demonstrate what is going on on Sophia, showing that sort of clear visibility of the registration and what, uh, tier two potential opportunities can be there with that level of engagement. It certainly gives that best opportunity for suppliers to get involved on the, on the Sophia Wind Farm. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, transferable skills from other industries um, are so important and that links really well to um, the areas that NOF and Energy Coast focus on. Um, in terms of sort of... Um, how is RWE? So you, you've got this fantastic portal. I know you've been doing a lot of promotion of that portal, but how is RWE and the wider Sophia team engaged with the supply chain? What kind of activities have you been organising um, to get the supply chain engaged with you? I think firstly, having some really good dialogue with our tier one contractors, uh, having them uh, really amenable where they've 
been willing to uh, disclose or show visibility of opportunities on the portal. Uh, GE have certainly done that with uh, with Kia, where Kia have uh, gone to some really great local events at uh, T's uh, network uh, engineering event, and that really sort of helped, um, say, Kia be able to sort of engage with local suppliers and, and, and show the, the advertising and the promotion of what opportunities are happening at that offshore uh, converter station at Wilton. Um, on a national perspective, I've had a strong visibility and RWE itself at Global Offshore Wind. In the northeast, we've had Offshore Wind Northeast, where we're a strategic sort of partner to that. Uh, had some great engagement with local suppliers who can definitely get involved with the sort of scopes of work that are happening on Sophia. So I do feel between showing what is available on the sort on the portal, having really good T one contractors and, and, and showing that we're going to all the clear offshore wind events where suppliers are going, we need to be there demonstrating what we can potentially offer on Sophia. Yeah, totally agree with you, Graham. Um, and I know that NOF, um, a business development organisation based in the northeast of England, but a national organisation who's been organising all of your supply chain activities, um, they're absolutely delighted to be working with you. They also organise Offshore Wind Northeast, which is um, the 9th and 10th of November in uh, two th- 2022, and that'll take place in northeast England as well. Um, so thanks for being a strategic event partner on that event. And of course, the location of Sophia, um, it's very close to northeast England and Yorkshire's coastline, um, which gives the project access to a very experienced supply chain right on your doorstep. Um, what's your sort of views of um, clusters, um, clusters of organisations in those particular regions? I, I'm a Teesside lad. I'm very passionate about the northeast and Teesside in particular, uh, but I'm also passionate about offshore wind. I've been working in it for 17 years now. On the other side of the fence, for the majority of that time, actually been within the supply chain of the northeast. So I do feel as if I've experienced um, firsthand the sort of procurement activity that can be realised from this region. And I'm really confident that they can play a strong part on on Sophia, um, especially in terms of the sort of engagement that we've had at Offshore Wind Northeast. So I, I do feel both uh, from an offshore perspective, once we get into the installation phases in a few years' time, but also what's happening already uh, locally uh, with say, GE suppliers and the the onshore uh, converter station, seeing a, a great amount of delivery from the Tees Valley area. That's great, thank you. And I know that um, RWE Renewables, um, you're an active and very um, supportive um, participant of the Energy Coast Industry Group as well. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about Energy Coast? Yeah, I mean, it was actually coming over to the sort of developer side, that sort of different level of responsibility when it comes to these types of bodies. And I, I do feel that the clusters really do work because it sort of bridges that gap between some of the real smaller suppliers and strategic companies that really need to break through. And myself and Tom Nightingale for, say, Equinor, both showing that sort of responsibility and 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 sort of availability that we can uh, speak to suppliers, have sort of meetings and, and, and connections and really improve um, if there's companies that can really offer something. We just haven't seen them before and that sort of striking, I mean, I say you can't start a fire without a spark. Well, I do feel as if um, we really ignite that spark uh, by having those types of events with the cluster. Yeah, 
No, that's great. And I really do see um, through all of the activities that you that you you've be, have been organising, you know, you're very engaging with um, different supply chain companies across the whole sort of um, energy piece. So, you know, smaller companies um, through to the larger ones. And that kind of links me to the next um, sort of subject I wanted to cover, really. In terms of um, a supplier, what do you want to see from them? Um, what do you look for? What do you see from them in terms of adding value to the construction and then the subsequent um, operations and maintenance phase of the project? I think it's a really sort of pivotal, uh, important question that because, and it was that important that we, after the Meet the Buyer events that we organised, which which was each particular T1 contractor, we sort of tried to have a bit of a washout from those events uh, last summer, if you can recall, Caroline, because they were online, which does make it a little bit, the, the delivery a little bit removed from the supply chain. But we did feel as if they needed some feedback, so we organised a workshop called Breaking Down Barriers, and we wanted to demonstrate that clear thing between what the T1 contractors like GE and Van Order are looking for, so then the suppliers get a clearer understanding of what their needs are, because it is a, a two-way thing, really. Um, I think first and foremost, the sort of health and safety and quality really needs to sort of shine through and that needs to be very evident inside the company. Obviously, experience does help you if you're working offshore wind or you've got experience within a different sector uh, of providing that uh, level of uh, scope of work. But I, I do feel as well that the suppliers need to be able to deliver an offer what the say tier one contractors are after and and i mean that sort of from a clear perspective that um sometimes the tier one contractors have a very specific um, scope of work and it sometimes isn't for, for being broken down so i think that's when the supply chain where possible uh, if they want to sort of get involved need to be able to look and think can we sort of connect with another supplier to come together or is there, is there other ways where we can have really good dialogue that can really improve that sort of situation where the suppliers can get um, you know further involved in Sophia but I, th- I think that sort of understanding of what tier ones are looking for I think is really important because if you can imagine RWE has placed all its big hefty orders now uh, and it, it does fall on the tier ones during the construction. When it comes to the the operations, I think it's a bit more of a, a, a nimble situation, a bit more reactive. Um, the scopes of work are a lot smaller. Um, the, the need to have, um, obviously, we've committed to the port of Grimsby, so that sort of accessibility to, to what Grimsby port needs, if it's that type of um, commitment. But also, again, um, that reactive availability is very very important i think because once you're trying to keep a a wind farm operational you you definitely need a supply chain that you can trust and can provide the sort of services that we need to keep that uh, wind farm maintained yeah that's absolutely fantastic um, advice and guidance for the supply chain there so quality experience connecting with the tier ones and also connecting with other supply chain companies that they can work with um in terms of i know that rwe you've got um a fantastic pipeline of projects it's not limited to sophia here in the northeast of england um could you tell us a little bit more about your sort of pipeline of opportunities 
Yeah, RWE has a very strong commitment to the United Kingdom when it comes to, say, wind farm projects. We've obviously got Sophia, uh, which is happening here and now. Triton Knoll is just coming online. We've got, obviously, the entire portfolio that we already have already. And then we're going into, if we go down the coastline, we've got Doggerbank South, which I'll be sort of working on. I'm really passionate about this area. We've got two uh, further wind farms down the east coast in North Falls and Five Estuaries. We're extending uh, Rampion, so that will be Rampion 2. In Wales, we're doing uh, Aulamore. Uh, and then further into, say, floating wind, we've got the um, Celtic Sea. So I do think there'll be further wind farm uh, commitments we'll be doing in the future. But for now, uh, I think that will be uh, certainly a strong uh, portfolio to deliver on. Definitely agree with that, Graham. Um, Stuart, turning to you, um, thank you for joining um, me down the line. Um, just um, can you tell us what a HVDC system is and the role of it and what it will play on the Sophia Offshore Wind Farm? Yeah, hi Caroline. Um, basically, the the HVDC system is the is the heart of the the transmission system. Um, as as Graham said, there we have 140 megawatt uh, turbines out in the North Sea, um, and our job is to to efficiently transmit that electricity that they are generating back back to shore. Uh, when you're transmitting electricity over long distances, um, HVDC is the is the most efficient way of of doing that. So we have a uh, an offshore converter platform which gathers together the the power that's generated from those from those uh, uh, hundred turbines um, converts the the AC um, electricity into DC electricity um, for transmission effectively across the I think it's 220 kilometers back to back to the shore and then we have um, an equivalent but opposite converter uh, station which is onshore and um, based at the Wilton site. Um, which converts the the DC power back to AC power for for connection into into the national grid. So in in very simple terms, it's a it's an efficient way of of transmitting a lot of power over over long distances. Oh, brilliant! Thanks for that, Stuart. Um, and a part uh, you know a part of the project, there are some significant um, onshore works. Could you tell us um, a little bit about um, those and the supply chain that you've built to deliver those opportunities? Yeah, this is mainly related to the um, to the onshore converter station, at, which is just next to the to the Wilton site. Um, we are constructing a, a full um, HVDC converter there. So whilst we've engaged with uh, with Kia as our main um, main subcontractor for those works, the work is being broken down into uh, into many many sub packages by uh, by Kia, uh, covering groundworks, uh, excavations, construction, steel work. Um, mechanical installation, electrical installation, commissioning activities. So it's broken down into many, many um, sub packages, which um, some of those for the early works have already been uh, been let to some contractors. Um, but there's still many, um, many packages of work which are still to be looked at over the next 12 to um, 12 to 18 months. That was going to actually be one of my questions. Um, the, is there still opportunities for the supply chain to get involved? Absolutely. Uh, as I said, there's there's just the the early works contracts have been let for the, for some of the packages, but um, we're probably only um, I don't twenty five percent of the way through um, letting of of the remainder of those those subcontracts. So there's still many many opportunities that, that are available to, um, as I said, across a wide variety of of construction and, and installation activities. Brilliant. like the sound of that. Many, many opportunities. Um, a question for both of you, um, Graham and Stuart, um, on sort of skills and careers. 
With those onshore works happening in Teesside um, in the northeast of England, um, does that give you an opportunity to tap into the local um, workforce? Um, could you give me a, sort of a little bit more information on that? I'll go to yeah. Graham first. Yeah, I think it really does. And, and I think this is one of the things that Sophia's um, done really well so far is I think firstly you've got the, the onshore converter station, which is supported also by all the works, the great works that they're doing uh, in Stafford as well, which is really delivering great UK delivery. And then further to that, uh, Van Ord, obviously based in Stokesley, They've got all the responsibility of the foundation installation. And I think uh, coupled with a, a very local UK delivery of MPI uh, with that and some uh, sort of northeast port decisions, which I really hope uh, can really uh, come to, say, fruition over the next few coming months, that will really sort of bring together that skills delivery. Because I think between having the procurement um, and all that sort of infrastructure coming coming through, it really then delivers the sort of skills opportunity for jobs to start to flourish so i'm really confident about that brilliant news um stuart have you got anything to add about um from the ge perspective yeah as as graham said there we've uh whilst the the center of our engineering operations is in is in stafford we've had to build a a significant site team uh, at the onshore converter station um and at the moment we only have one uh, permanent GE uh, person on, on site there and the rest of our GE team are from the local uh, from the local area. So we've built up that team based upon um, people from, from the local area and, and supplemented the workforce that way. In addition to that, Kia, um, Kia have, have taken a, a similar model as well. Uh, and I think it's fair to say probably about 90% of their uh, of their workforce that they have at the onshore converter station is from is from the local area. That's absolutely fantastic. And if I could, um, sorry, apologies, uh, grim, yeah. come in further there, Caroline, yep, just to sort of capture the, the imagination going forward of, of young people. Uh, I, I've worked really, really uh, hard and strongly in the sort of Teesside area, Tees Valley area, on really trying to speak to ages from eight all the way up to say, university leavers, trying to emphasise 100 jobs in offshore wind and, and really try and um, capture uh, people thinking about offshore wind as part of their, their career going forward. So, yeah, very much uh, want to ensure that young people get involved in offshore wind. Perfect. And do you want to draw on anything to do with the military, Graham? Yeah, I mean, it's something close to my heart. I'm, I'm ex-military. Uh, I did sort of five years during the Afghanistan and, and, and Iraq periods. And I, and I do feel as if it's something that we need to support our uh, people that have supported this country, kept us safe, and we need, need to keep their well-being safe as they transition into civilian life. I do feel as if they've got a lot of transferable skills, both working onshore and especially offshore, especially examples like people that are coming out from the Navy that want to work on ships. So I really want to get out there. I'm going to be there in Liverpool on, on, the, on the panel, really trying to push and, and engage and, and even help people on the way, potentially even mentor people if they're looking for that. That's great, thank you. Um, and just sort of touching upon sort of um, skills, working with colleges, universities, schools, etc. Um, Stuart, I'll go to you first. Um, is there any kind of, um, are you working with sort of local education providers, apprenticeship providers? Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that for the Sophia project? As part of GE, we, we very much encourage um, STEM activities within within local schools, so STEM being science, technology, engineering and, and mathematics. We've, um, we've done a couple of events already, uh, and I know there's some, there's some upcoming events with some, with some local schools 
um, to to encourage some of the uh, some of the STEM ac activities and and how they could link from from schools into into projects like uh, like we have have here with Sophia. Um, additionally, we have links with uh, Teesside University. So as GE, we have um, intern programs. So uh, undergraduates who are typically in their in their third year of their studies take a year out and come into into industry. We've had um, a, a particular undergraduate who's been with us for the past twelve months from Teesside University. Uh, he spent six months in the in the Stafford office and then a further six months uh, on site at the at the onshore converter station. Um, due to the timing, he's now finished that and he's gone back to do his to complete his fourth year at, at university. But we have a, another um, another guy who's who's joining us now in in the next week or so. I think uh, he's doing it the other way around. He's going to spend six months on site uh, and then six months in the in the Stafford office. Both of those, I think, are doing civil engineering degrees um, at at Teesside University. So that's that's a great link and it's a great um, it's a great practical application of their. Of their skills to actually see what uh, what they're learning can be put into practice. That's brilliant, Stuart. Thank you for that. I'm going to go over to um, Graham. And to just to add in. a little bit further on the the, the STEM side is I think uh, we at RW feel it's really really important, and we do have a very strong engagement with the uh, teachers. They're champions for Win for trying to really assist on their curriculum and get them in the classroom to understand more with their engagement with their the kid the pupils, but also given the fact that. The cable route uh, for both Sophia and Doggerbank Sea both head towards the Mask by the Sea. Uh, I have a special sort of engagement with Bydale School where I'm an enterprise advisor. and I really do feel as it's important to give back within that region. So I will be doing a lot of work with the, the local school there. Excellent, that's great. Um, and thanks to both of you from a business um, and a personal perspective from both of you for investing in people in the region as well. So um, thank you both for your time and insights. I've really enjoyed chatting with you both today. The information that you've given for supply chain companies looking to be part of the Sophia Offshore Wind Farm um, development um, has been absolutely fantastic. So thanks for that. And don't forget you can subscri subscribe to A Spin on Offshore Wind on all good podcast platforms or you can find it on energycoast.co.uk. That's E-N-E-R-G-I coast, all one word, .co.uk. And join us next time for a spin on Offshore Wind.